This is Donna Otto, and we are Modern Homemakers. Welcome, welcome, welcome. We're so glad that you've joined us. Today, I want to talk to you about a phrase out of the book of Hebrews, chapter 12. You'll love this phrase, peaceful fruit of righteousness. Isn't that wonderful? Peaceful fruit of righteousness. Please pass me the butter. What will it take to please him? Do whatever you please. I don't care. Pleasure. We live in a world of pleasure. Magazines, newspapers, buy, buy, buy. Movies, TV, buy, buy, buy. Websites, uh, sign up. Uh, because we are buying more things online because of the pandemic, I see now that you can't buy something at a website unless you subscribe. And if they're offering you a discount, you definitely can't get a discount unless you subscribe. And then when you subscribe, what happens? More announcements, more advertisements, more opportunities to buy, 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 the pleasure of the world. The early church beat themselves up and never did anything that brought pleasure. It was a sign of their godliness. If you've ever seen... Um, Oh, it's not going to come to me, the title of it, but it was um, oh, totally blank. Sorry about that, gals. The film where he is absolutely sure that God has called him to wrap barbed wire on his body and lay down in it. And it is a calling of God because if you beat yourself up, if you harm yourself, if you hurt yourself, then you will certainly be higher up with God. He will be more pleased with you. Now, that is not true. You know that it's not true. But it is also not true to go the other way. Are you a man pleaser, a human being pleaser? Are you a self pleaser? Or are you a God pleaser? Do you actively, when you make the choice of what you're going to say, what you're going to do, where you're going to go, do you actively think, will this please God? Galatians chapter 5 verse 17 says what follows, for what the flesh desires is opposed to the spirit, and what the spirit desires is opposed to the flesh, for these are opposed to each other to prevent you from doing what you want. Pause for a second with me and remember sometime when you said, I want that. I will do what I want. Or you let a child do what they wanted, knowing that the consequences were going to be awful and that just in them having the consequences, it was a teaching moment as a parent. John 8 Verses 28 and 29 says, When you lift up the Son of Man, then you will know that I am He, and I do nothing from my own initiative, but I speak these things as the Father taught me, and He who sent me is with me. He has not left me alone, for I always do the things that are pleasing to Him. Now, Jesus can say that, because He was Jesus. But I 
think it would be wonderful if we could learn to say, I always try to do what pleases him. My first MO is that I always try to do what pleases him. And I think that we have to know what pleases him. We have to know what that is if we're going to try to please him. Proverbs 16 and 7 says, When a man's ways are pleasing to the Lord, he makes even his enemies be at peace with him. This phrase, peaceful fruit of righteousness, comes out of a passage in Hebrews, peaceful fruit of righteousness. Peace in all but two of the New Testaments means peace, harmonious relationships, nations with nations, rest, quiet, peace in the church, harmonized relationship with God. God is called the God of peace. Uh, peace, shalom, shalom, it means peace. And so often we, we say it and we certainly hear it from our Jewish friends. Salvation, we find the peace of God when we have found his salvation. He is the Lord of peace. You, in, in the Sermon on the Mount, in Matthew chapter 5, he talks about being a peacemaker and a peacekeeper. A peacemaker and a peacekeeper. Peace. Can you keep a secret if someone asks you to? Can you hold your peace? Huh. Anyone who knew me in my 20s would say, Otto can't hold her peace. If she's got something to say, she says it. Well, I think obedience comes as a part of pleasing God, but we make it so hard. We make it so hard, and it shouldn't be that hard. In Hebrews chapter 12, which is the chapter that follows the great chapter of the men and women of faith, the faith of Abraham. He describes what the meaning of faith is, and Abel and Enoch and Noah and Moses and all the rest of them, These, this faith chapter. And then comes this chapter, um, which in my Bible is titled The Example of Jesus, The Example of Jesus. So in these first 12 verses... Um, we find some definition that allows us to recognize what the peaceful fruit of righteousness looks like. In verse 11, he says, but later it yields the peaceful fruit of righteousness. What is later? Well, it's the first part of that verse. He says, now discipline always seems painful rather than pleasant at the time, but later it yields the peaceful fruit of righteousness to those who have been trained by it. I was having a discussion with some uh, girlfriends of mine last week on a Zoom call, and we were talking about discipline and how Elizabeth Elliot had written this lovely volume called Discipline, the Glad Surrender, and how after the book had been published in America and was doing well, England wanted to publish it in England uh, for their people and publish it in a local publishing house and not um, have to buy them from America. And so they made a proposal to Elizabeth. And their proposal included eliminating glad surrender. And she said, I'm, so, I'm sorry, I don't, I don't understand. And he, they said, oh, our people do not think that discipline is a glad surrender. No one would buy that book. And she said, well, that's the whole point of the book, the whole point of the book. So they didn't buy the book. In verse 3 of this wonderful chapter, he says, Think of others who have endured. 
Can you think of someone who has endured, someone who was part of the Fox's Book of Martyrs, who had been martyred in the stadium? Can you think of those whose shoulders we stand on? Elizabeth Elliot is certainly one of them. Her husband and five other men, 65 years ago in a few days, were martyred in Ecuador, Quito, Ecuador, um, by a tribe called the Auca Indians. They they speared to death all five of the men who had come to bring them the word of God, had brought them gifts and presents. They didn't understand. They didn't do that to hurt them. They were protecting themselves. She not only lost her husband and her friends and the five widows came back to America, but she felt that God was calling her to take her then less than two-year-old blonde, darling little girl back to the exact jungle, to the exact tribe of men and women who had killed her husband and Valerie's father. She did that. She did that. They all lived to tell the story of it. Maybe you haven't been martyred because you will not die. Uh, I think so often we, we, we don't ever get into the martyr stage. It says in verse 4, in your struggle against sin, you have not yet resisted to the point of shedding your blood. What is the sin? The sin is that I will not die. I, I will survive. I will not surrender. I will not die. I will not die. I don't want to die. In verses 5, 6, and 7, he goes on to say, And you have forgotten the exhortation that addresses you as children. My child, do not regard lightly the discipline of the Lord, or lose heart when you are punished by him. For the Lord disciplines those whom he loves, and chastises every child to whom he accepts. Endure trials for the sake of discipline. God is treating you as children. For what child is there whom a parent does not discipline? And I really came to this peaceful fruit of righteousness phrase because of the word endurance. I have said, and I believe I've said it here more than once, I think one of the great reflections about the status of America right now is that we do not have a cohesive group of men and women and boys and girls and children who understand what it is to endure, to endure what men and women who have gone before us, not only gone before us whose shoulders we stand on because they have died, but men and women who have been a part of the creation of America, the standing for what America stands for, who endured, endured the great wars, endured the Great Depression, endured the wheat, the, the dust bowl of famine in the Midwest in the 20s during the Depression. And, 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 they endured, they endured because they were strong and understood what it was to be disciplined or to do without. I'm not sure that we are a nation. I'm not sure that I'm a woman who understands this kind of endurance. But then, as I read earlier in verse 11, in the beginning, the discipline seems hard. He says, discipline always seems painful rather than pleasant at the time, but later it yields the peaceful fruit of righteousness to those who have been trained by it. So what am I being trained by? 
what am I being trained by? I'm being trained by the hand of God who speaks to me, who calls me what, uh, tells me what I am called to do. And when I abide in that, I find the peaceful fruit of the righteousness in living with and for him. In the first passage, the first part of this passage, in verse 1, he says, let us lay aside every weight and sin. Let us lay aside. What entangles you? What draws you off? What entangles you? What is it you're thinking about? What takes up your time? I've recently said, my husband and I have been talking about TV and too much TV during the pandemic time. And there's a lot of fruitful things on TV. I watched an amazing Nova show just a couple of weeks ago about DNA and how the migration of people groups around the world and how they can tell you so much about your DNA. It was a wonderful show. But there's also a lot of junk on TV and a lot of commercials and a lot, a lot of junk. So what entangles you? What draws you off? The TV? Or is it the telephone? Is it people? Hmm, less people these days because we have less contact. Is it work? Are, is it books? Well, there, there's what would draw me off. Another book. My husband recently said, is this a new book? And I said, yes. <laughs> I, I knew it. I knew I was caught. I was trapped. I knew I said the answer. Did we just get rid of an excess of 500 books when we moved into a smaller house? I said, yes. But I bought a new book. I, I love my books. So make time for Jesus. Have what Colossians, Paul tells us, what will I wear today? What shall I put on today? I'm not talking about my shirt or my skirt or my dress or my trousers. I'm talking about what shall I put on of Christ today? And then run with endurance. Run with endurance. Not, not just run, but run with the idea of enduring and finishing the course. When my grandson was a very little guy, he was helping me do something in the garden. All I can remember is we were in the yard, and he was helping me, and he wanted to quit. He was little, uh, maybe five. Maybe he was five. He could count. That's all I could tell you, he could count. And so I said to him, Samuel, can you count to eight? He said, like looking at me, of course I can, Nana. I said, well, count to eight. You keep working and count to eight. That's all I told him. So we counted aloud, eight. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. How long is that, 10 seconds? 10 seconds. And he looked at me and I said, you did it, let's do it again. We'll count to eight and we'll keep working. And we kept counting to eight and the job was finished. Now, don't ask me to understand it. I don't understand it myself. It has always worked for me. When I feel like I'm getting to a place that I can't go another step, I say, count to eight. When I used to travel a lot, and I wake up in the morning on travel day, and often I would be speaking and meeting with people and then getting on a plane and traveling to get back home, and I would say in the early morning hours, in 23 hours and 40 minutes, I'll be home. And then I would say to myself, I can do anything for 23 hours and 40 minutes. And I say to you, you can count to eight, and you can count to eight again, and you can do anything. You can do anything for a period of time when we trust 
and keep our eyes focused on him. Look beyond what you see. Look beyond what you can see because he can see further. Read his word. Embrace his word. Speak out your gratefulness and gladness, your delight to be obedient and to endure. And the result will be the peaceful fruit of righteousness. The peaceful fruit of righteousness. When we say no, when we say no to God, we separate ourselves from the discipline that he is calling us to, from the unknown results of what he is calling to. I never say those words or think those words without thinking of Abraham and Isaac. Mm. I had but one child. I had but one child. Uh, I, 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 I can't imagine. I, God didn't ask me to, but I put myself in Abraham's place that God called him to take that child, to take that child, and he went he counted to eight, and it was 23 hours and 40 minutes. And when he got there, there was still no sacrifice. And he built the altar, and there was still no sacrifice. But he endured, and he kept doing it until God brought the resolve. And with it came the peaceful fruit of his righteousness, his obedience to God, and therefore inheriting the righteousness of God in those instances. I think I say this from time to time, and then I think I don't say it often enough. I uh, value you so much. I cherish those of you whose names and faces I know, and I really do love and pray for you whom I have never met, but I know you take time to listen. We hope that you take time to listen, not because we want you to listen, but that we want to encourage you. It is our job, our joy to encourage you to be the woman of God that he has called you to be, the woman of God that he has called you to be, which includes the discipline of endurance, which will bring the peaceful fruit of righteousness. I'm Donna Otto, and this is Modern Homemakers. Remember, the common begin and the uncommon finish. Go out and make it a very uncommon day of enduring.